Yeah, like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy This is the podcast where we force each other to watch movies uh, And then we are subject to the other person's letter grade I think that's the most concise way I can say it. My name is Jeff, and with me is my co-host, Jason. Yeah, dancing at High Smith Podcast, and boy, we back for another episode. That's how we, that's how we do. So uh, this week is a special episode because we have our second ever guest. And if you remember from the John Wick and the City of Lost Children episode, that <laughs> didn't go so hot, right? So we're hoping... Uh, that things maybe will improve this time around. Uh, this is our guest. He is from the podcast Tessa and Elliot Argue. He also has a new podcast coming called uh, Adaptations Awry, both of which you can subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Elliot. Hey, man. Thanks. No, you nailed it better than I nail it. Which is I'm the best. Long. Well, um, so... Elliot gave us the Vast of Night, and we gave him Upgrade. And as our guest, we would like to invite you to re- review uh, your film uh, right here with us, and, and we will chime in when we feel the need. Upgrade. Damn, that's a good ass Upgrade. Man, I I was a little worried. The first half felt really weird to me. Well, the first quarter of it, I was like, oh, this seems very basic, but I was so glad it was not. Um, yeah. Let me go specify one thing real quick. We do fully spoil all of our movies, so there are time codes in the description. Feel free to jump around where you want. Um, Elliot, you go ahead. Yeah, so I'm not. I don't even know any of these names of these actors or even the director. So I have totally forgotten them because it's not really um, any big names. But uh, you really have yeah, the starring dude. He looked like the dude from Dexter until I looked up his name. Like, oh, that's not him. I thought he was kind of a uh, poor man's um, Dexter and a poor man's, uh, now I'm totally blanking on his name, but the guy from uh, 21 Jump Street. What? Channing um, Tatum. Channing? I, I thought oh, he was like a poor man's Channing Tatum. In my Channing Tatum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this movie is futuristic, but it does a really good job of the first, I don't know, four or five minutes of not placing it in a futuristic setting where you're kind of left mm-hmm. to think that it's a modern day film until about four or five minutes in, it kind of just uh, turns on you. So the movie follows a guy named gray trace. And I can't believe that's his actual name. I actually had to look that up that his last <laughs> name is trace, but so this guy named gray, he's a mechanic in a world of what I said, automation. So like everything is operated by like, you basically just telling it to work, right? Like every, there's like one Alexa after another, right? An Alexa for your car, an Alexa for your refrigerator, an Alexa for your microwave, Alexa f- to take your medication. Like you just tell the computers everywhere what to do and they do it. Um, yeah, so hope no one listening is near their echo right now. Yeah, it will right. be going off. Thank you. <laughs> so, hey, Google. Uh, <laughs> no big names though. They don't use any big names. Uh, so Gray asks his wife, whose name is Asha, 
Uh, again, I had to look it up because like they don't really do a very good job with like names, but it's really not super important. Anyway, Gray asks his wife, uh, who works as like a tech giant at a startup named Cobalt, to help him return a refurbished car that he's been working on for a client. And the client's name is Iran, who, no joke, is literally like an Elon Musk character. And <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, and I don't mean it in a terrible way because it definitely plays into it later. He's like an Elon Musk character, but with like Asperger's or like Tourette's. But he, Dude, you but, nailed it. You nailed it. That's like, exactly, that's exactly what it is. But it, the whole time you see him, I'm like, what is, I can't believe they made this character like, like this, but it definitely plays off towards the end, which was fantastic. Anyway, so um, Gray needs his wife to drive her car that's self-driving as he drives the the traditional car so that they can like drive home together. Right? He needs a ride home. So they go to Elon's. I'm going to just call him Elon because it's just easier. And that's what he looks like. He looks like he acts like an Elon Musk with with some type of uh, social um, disability. They go to his house and his house is like hidden underneath like a, an ocean behind a rock thing. Anyways, his house is crazy. And Elon's showing off like his latest creation, which is a, a chip called STEM, which apparently boasts something like unlimited potential, right? You can like this chip will do literally everything. Um, Gray thinks nothing of it because he's like an, an old school kind of guy. But Ash is like really impressed by it because like that's she lives in like a, a she works for Cobalt, which Elon kind of brushes off as like a startup where Elon's work is like legit. So they have this encounter. Nothing really comes of it. The Gray and Asha leave in Asha's self-driving car. And as they're driving home, the car malfunctions, right? There's a crash. They're trying to get the car to work. And, and like, the thing that I found really funny was, like, he, like, puts her, her seatbelt on her before he puts his seatbelt, his own seatbelt on. And, like, the car flips. And obviously, like, he's not wearing his seatbelt as he, like, flips into this car. And she's, like, buckled in. You know, always assist others with the mask before assisting yourself. Unless anyway. it's a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> they should have probably bumped it up first. Anyway, so they crash in, like, this ho- horrible area of town because, like, the car took them off and exit into, like, the bad part of town. And, like, four guys come out of, like, the woodwork and, like, essentially attack the couple. Um, and Asha's like essentially killed right off the bat and like Gray is shot in the neck and that ends up paralyzing him. So that's kind of the catalyst for this whole movie. Uh, you kind of flash forward three months later and Gray is a, a quadriplegic and his mom's taking care of him uh, who doesn't have a name other than mom. Uh, and basically he just kind of spirals into depression. He tries to um, kill himself by over medicating himself but like the machines stop him because they're like oh if you do it again well you'll die so he can't even like kill himself um, he visits detective Cortez uh, who again is another name I had to look up because I don't even know if they ever offer it um, but he goes to visit her where he's like oh what kind of information do you have about like the attack that murder that killed my wife because like, there are also drones just flying everywhere in this world, right? There's, like, CCTV cameras everywhere. They've caught everything. Um, and, again, at this point, like, Gray is in a wheelchair where he is basically just moving his neck and nothing else. 
So for a hot second, I was like, oh, we're watching like an Ironside movie where like he's going to be a detective in a wheelchair solving crimes, which for a second I was like, okay, this is (laughs) a little weird for, well, I was like, wow, for an action movie, (laughs) this is straight weird, but I'm going to go with it. Anyway, that does not last long, but um, so he just goes into depression. Nothing really works. Um, after he tries to kill himself, he he gets put into the hospital, and Elon Musk visits him again. Again, very weird and like, like I said, kind of you know socially awkward. And he convinces him to let Elon implant the stem implant in the back of his neck, saying it would help him walk again. Spoiler alert: It works. He regains like full control really quickly. Um, but the problem is Elon's like, you can't tell anybody that this worked or else like they're going to like know. So you have to kind of pretend to be paralyzed. So he kind of is living this like two worlds of like paralyzed until like he needs to not be paralyzed. So um, he ends up like watching some of the drone footage of his wife's murder and he starts to hear like a voice in his head, which he's like, oh, great, I'm going crazy. But it turns out it's stem. So Stem is like a character that he can hear and only he can hear. Um, and so Stem's like, oh, I can help you solve this. Um, and he proves that he can like help solve it by like identifying like one of the men in the video as like he names the the guy. Right. Uh, so like they're watching the drone video of his wife's murder. Gray hears a voice. Oh, I already just said that. Sorry. You can cut that part out. All right. So then what happens is like Gray follows like the clues. He tracks down. Um, Cirque and like Stim's talking to him like oh do this do that look out for this watch out for that um, and so as he's like broke broke into this guy's house the guy comes back there's an altercation with a really cool fight scene another really cool thing about this film is like how the camera work is where like the camera work follows him like doing these really crazy moves and the cool part about this action movie is it's a bunch of stuff that like you're like, oh, people can't do that, and they can't, but the cool part is, like, he's, like, part robot now, so, like, Stim is helping him do the stuff, so he's able to do things that, like, a normal person couldn't, but, like, again, the way the camera follows it is just really cool. Um, it definitely makes the fights, like, really interesting, which was a really good selling point to me of, like, the it was, it's very much a normal action movie, but with some, like, abnormal things like that. Um, so anyway, there's a really cool fight. He ends up killing the guy without like meaning to, I guess, kind of, it's kind of weird. Um, again, Stim helps him like, like clean up. This is how you clean up. This is how you do this. How, this is how you do that. Uh, again, there are, again, he just kind of keeps following the clues. It takes him to like this like seedy bar, um, where again, he like gets into an altercation, another really cool fight scene. He, uh, gray is like unable to kill the guy. So Stim kind of like does it for him. It's really weird. So it turns out that the guys who are like who killed his wife and attacked him have like also been upgraded with like implants. Like they have guns in their hands. They can see through walls. Um, like when they cough, they shoot out like little pellets and the, they're like the molecules of the air. They're just like they're also they're not Stim level technology but like they're enhanced um so while all this is happening while gray is working the case and like hiding being able to walk um the detective cortez is like working the case as well she starts to see some things that are really weird like oh she sees that gray gray's wheelchair is at the house of the dude that he broke into but gray's not there 
she essentially dismisses it in the beginning, but like it starts to kind of stack where you're like, okay, this is kind of weird. Like, oh, and then he went to the bar and like he was also at the bar. And so like she's not stupid by any means. Um, so she's certainly trying to solve, figure out this case because like it's a really weird conundrum that like they're not able to. Um, as well as like Elon is also tracking Stim and he like tells Gray to stop doing this like vigilante Batman crap. But obviously, like, Gray's like, I'm going to do what I want. And so Stim, the whole time, is talking to to Gray. And Stim informs him that, like, Elon's attempting to shut them down remotely. So, like, Gray can... So, like, he can get custody back. So Stim ends up directing Gray to, like, a hacker, a local hacker, who, like, manages to turn off the feature just barely at the nick of time. As he's also being chased by, like, the other guards... Um, so eventually, uh, Gray has full control. Well, not necessarily full control, but he doesn't have to worry about Elon turning him off anymore. He's getting closer to solving this mystery. Um, he encounters the guy named Fisk, who is, I believe the guy who actually killed Asha. They have a really, really cool fight. Um, but like they both escape and they're going to meet again later. Like they end up running to each other. So there's a couple of altercations, um, Gray goes home after this fight. He finds out that like his mom finds him walking. So he like makes up some like BS excuse to his mom about how like, Oh, here's what happened. Cortez comes by, but like Gray's in the wheelchair and like, she just knows something is up because like she can tell from like the way the mom's talking. There's a lot of little things here and there that kind of add to the story that I'm not like super filling in on. But um what ends up happening is by the hacker turning off the like the the parental controls on Stim, Stim can now like control Gray without like Gray giving him permission essentially. So what ends up happening is like Stim's like, okay, we're gonna like take the car and drive off and get Fisk, and Gray's like, I don't know, like the detective just left and he's really tired. And he's like, nope, we're doing it. So like Stim does it, and Stim is slowly becoming kind of like uh, a pain in the butt essentially, but he's still, like, chill, he's still, like, helping, and there's, like, a really, a pretty decent car chase between the detective and Cortez, or Detective Cortez and Gray, as, like, Gray's trying to get the Fisk, but, like, get away from Cortez, but not kill anybody, because, that's like, he's not really, like, evil by any means. Uh, anyway, um, another fight scene with, with Fisk, uh, where, like, Gray and Stim eventually get the upper hand, and they end up killing Fisk, um, turns out that Fisk's phone has a message from Elon. So that kind of suggests that like Elon has now been the orchestrator of the whole events where before you were like, Oh, someone is killing my wife for like her company or the information she knows. It's been this very gray, like it doesn't make any sense. What did she know? Oh, she must've known something that Elon wanted. So like, Oh, Elon's been the bad guy the whole time. It has been orchestrated by him. <laughs> so, we get to the very end here where it gets really interesting. Gray goes back to Elon's house. Um, at Elon's house, Detective Cortez is already there. She's kind of put the pieces together herself in a way. Um, Elon says that it wasn't really him that was orchestrating it, but that <laughs> it was Psych. Stim the whole time. Stim is the reason why his wife was shot. Stim was the reason why everything is happening. Stim when is the reason why he got he became shot in the neck to become paralyzed. The whole thing, the <laughs> whole thing is all Stim because. Elon and Stim and Asha when Gray when Gray and when Gray and Asha were returning the car, Stim was like, "Oh, that's who I want. I want that guy. 
I want this guy who's like not about the technology life and this world of technology. He's like the everyman. I want that guy. So Sim orchestrated all these events between the time that they were in that meeting and to the drive home, uh, which is just like super crazy. And now Stim has complete control over Gray. So Sim's like, we got to kill everybody. Can't have no witnesses, right? So um, basically, Sim just wants to be a human. So like, there's a battle of like wits within Gray. Of like not trying to kill Elon, but it ends up happening. Not trying to kill Cortez, and uh, Gray essentially takes the gun and points it at his head. And Gray's like, "I'm just gonna pull the trigger, and I'm gonna end this all. Like, I have no point in living anyway. Like, my wife's dead. I don't want Stem to hurt others." So Gray pulls the trigger, and then he wakes up, and he's in the hospital room. He's not paralyzed anymore. Asha enters into the room and explains that like he's been unconscious for days after the crash. And you're like, whoa, crazy. What a cool, like, <laughs> oh, he woke up story. Like, one of those cool, like, not really a story story. Psych. But, <laughs> but again, another twist where, like, the the twist, the twists here are, like, phenomenal. Where you're like, oh, this is a good twist. It was really Elon. Oh, it's a good twist. Like, they wanted Gray. They didn't really want his wife. Oh, a good twist. Like, he didn't pull the trigger successfully. He didn't wake up in the hospital room not paralyzed. Grace still in Elon's house, still is in complete control now, and Stim is explaining to Cortez in a very like robotic voice in a sense that like he's finally broken Gray's mind. Grace stuck in a fantasy where he's gonna be with Asha forever, which was Stim's plan all along. Now Stim's can complete control. He shoots Cortez and he walks out into movie. <laughs> Phenomenal. It would, again, just like twist on twist, you don't see it coming. I, you, you're led to believe the whole time it's about Ash's death and why she died when in reality it's really about Gray from the beginning and the Elon Musk character again I had mentioned like he seemed kind of like off-putting once like once Gray learns that like it's it wasn't Elon it was Stim like you Elon like his character completely changes where he's like now a normal person he's like it wasn't my thing it was I was Stim was telling me what to do the whole time so the whole like Asperger's plot was like literally played out very well where you're like oh he was like it was a character that he was being forced to kind of play as so when I was like oh this guy looks so sift and dumb it really was because like that was what was called for so it was very impressive uh overall I really the movie leading up to it kind of plate painted by the numbers where it was kind of a very typical action movie of like trying to solve this thing the thing that sets it apart are the twists. The ending's fantastic. I'm a sucker for movies that aren't like happy endings necessarily. Like, I love that. And this is definitely one of those movies with a great conclusion, but like not necessarily a, a happy ending. I, it's happy like Gray is finally like where he wants to be, but he doesn't even realize it kind of thing. So Right, which for him is like in all reality... That's not a bad way to, to, to end up, you know? Yeah, it's really not if terrible. If that's your reality, who cares? Yeah. You have your right. wife still, so... Just living in his dream, man. Yeah, yeah, living in the best dream. So, again, it's I think it's an above-average action movie. Is it an above-average movie? Uh, I don't... Probably not. It's you, The fights are really good. I thought the music was kind of take-or-leave-it. Um, which with an action movie, I always like, I'm a big fan of like cool music action sequences. Mm -hmm. 
the fights were phenomenal though. The fights were really good and they're like superhuman, but with like a purpose where it doesn't feel like with John Wick, you're just like really four hours of you like being able to survive like 30 guys. But like this, you're like, oh, it makes sense. So are you ready for my grade? Your upgrade? As it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to see what I'll yes. be calling this movie going forward. Now, when I saw this movie, I, I've been... I, I, Don't you dare try to give it a letter grade. I'm not giving no letter grade. I'm just saying, when I watched okay, this movie... Okay, all right. When I watched this movie, when it ended and all those twists occurred, I was like, man, because I love like an M. Lot Shyamalan movie, like the good ones, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was like, I was like, the good ones. I was like, oh, man. As soon as it ended, I immediately, I forgot if I called Jeff or text Jeff, and I was like, listen, gotta watch this movie, man. And then Jeff watched it. He loved it, so... Yes. This, I think, all right. What are you giving it, man? This, I think one of the reasons before you before you give a letter grade that it, it was just a surprise. Like you said, there's no named actors. It's not by a big director. It's just really this B movie <laughs> that t- is completely surprising. <laughs> not no, not B in the sense of ABC, but in the sense of it being not a. Uh, what you would call like a, a big budget blockbuster, but just kind of this under the ground, uh, under the radar thing. I didn't mean being a, be as in a rating. I meant it as you know the generic reason. Subliminal the movie. But anyway. Subliminal. I got you. <sighs> oh look, this movie totally slipped by me. I had never heard of it until until we talked about it. So, all right, all right. This is ahead. this is a solid A minus movie. Wow. Hell yeah. Man, what a difference. This is one of those. This is a great action movie to tell people about that have not, that don't know about it. When you're like, oh, they have a good action movie, it's this. Does this movie remind you of any other movies that were superhero movies, but this is just like a better version of it? Oh, look, in my notes, I frequently go, oh, this I'm watching Ironside. Oh, I'm watching Batman. Oh, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching Iron Man. Uh, it was funny because well, have... like, my notes, I literally wrote, oh, Ironside. Oh, Iron Man. Oh, Batman. So it's it's all of those things. Well, I have one more specifically in mind. Um, did you watch the Tom Hardy Venom? No, I have not seen the Tom Hardy Venom movie. Okay, well, that is the one very similar superhero movie I have not seen. Upgrade is way better, but yeah. Okay, yeah. well, whew. Mm. now I'm real well. excited for you guys because <clears throat> this movie I think is very polarizing when you look online, and so I'm really yeah. excited to see where you fall into this. If you gave it, you're talking about Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. where they give it 92, and then the audience gave it to 64. Yeah, man, we're going to find out today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I've got a couple questions for you, Elliot. Okay. You've listened to every episode of this show. Why right? do you hate I us? Have. No, oh it's, you're letting them stop it. So, what movies would you say that Jason and I, what genres would you say we both have in common that we just consistently seem to enjoy? Oh, not this one. I don't even know what genre you put this into, which is what I love about it. Okay, no one asked you what you thought about the movie. What I asked you was, what genres do you think 
We like. <laughs> yeah, I'd say action would probably be a pretty action. safe bet. Comedy. Yeah, comedy. Jason is likes one war movies. Rom com. All kinds of stuff. Chick flicks. We like. <laughs> we like. We like romantic comedies. We like movies where things happen. That's that's the big thing. Now, what's worse, Elliot, than a bad movie? Oh, I don't. Well, what's the worst? Than, uh, the what is the worst adjective terrible. you can give to a movie? Ooh, starts with failure. Starts with a B. It starts uh, with a B. Oh, I don't know. You're gonna have to tell me. Okay, so you know a bad movie like The Room, right? Sure. Or Jason watched Virtuosity. He thinks that's a bad movie. It might be bad, but it's not boring. All that being said, <laughs> let's dive into The Vast of Night. This movie it's stars no one. <laughs> I agree. Listen, it's only 90 minutes, right? And somehow, they found a way to make it feel like forever and not have anything happen for like 70 of that 90 minutes. Listen, Jeff they, and I, okay, Jeff and I even watched it, we watched, it, we watched it together, right? We we hit play at the same time. I'm like, all right, this is the redeeming value where Scott completely effed us. And I'm like, Elliot's coming through. Elliot's my dude. I'm like, all right, man, let's start this movie. <sighs> God, what happened? Elliot, why do you hate us, man? I I honestly thought one of you was going to like it and one of you was going to hate it. And I thought it would be really interesting to see like what you would give it because I figured one of you would hate it and one of you would like it. Okay. I'll give it, well, I'll give it let's some. Let's get into yeah, the, we'll, the... We'll start and I'll give it some redeeming values. But Let's get into it. So we, we focus on a very, very small town where the high school team is having a basketball game and when the high school team here has a basketball game it shuts the town down uh they make a point of saying uh that people listening to the radio it's like maybe three people who are actually listening to the radio so we're introduced to our two main characters whose names have just completely left my brain. everett and faith do you have that in front of you jb everett and faith what was it everett and faith so and faith so Everett is like the sound guy at this basketball game. He's going around. He's telling everyone in detail how to record things. And there was a shortage. Uh, like some rat chewed through a wire. And guess what? The rat still had the wire in his mouth. You know why I remember that? They say it over and over again. Like three or four times. Mm -hmm. Everybody, This is the big news of the town that this rat has chewed a wire and it, shut down the town. The best, one of the best part of that too is like it's like playing a telephone game. The next person you hear that story from, the next person you hear that story from, and then the next person you hear that story from, it turned into a chipmunk. Nah, it was actually a chipmunk. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the so, story. You learned the whole point of that story. I got it. It parallels so I, the whole story. I, I, I figured that part out. My like, all right, this is just turned into the telephone game. You go from go from a rat to a squirrel. To a chipmunk, then he actually didn't die. Oh no, nah, he chewed the telephone wire. No, nah, he chewed the electrical wire. Yeah, man, I, 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 that's like thirty minutes. Okay, but so, thirty minutes. Exactly <laughs> right. That foreshadowing would be fun, right? The foreshadowing would be 
nice, but we, they, it takes like 10 minutes of one. Now I will say the one thing this movie does try to do is there's not a lot of jumps in time. You spend, there's a lot of long shots. There's a lot of continuous, like sticking with one or two characters. And so think of like, the show 24 there are a handful of time jumps but they're really really minimal uh so most of this action i would say action in air quotes takes place over the course of maybe two of this uh, real-time hours to the characters yeah. it's not like uh and like jeff says it, it is well shot i kind of like there's this one scene where they're walking him everton and Faye are walking down the street and they're literally just pretending to do like radio interviews over her tape recorder, her brand new tape recorder. And she definitely put an emphasis that she paid for it herself. She seems like a hardworking individual, but think of like another new movie that just came out in 1917. It's like a, a t- continuous one shot. This film tries to replicate it, but not to, you know, not to that degree of that big budget film, but it does do a pretty good job. And I do have to give it uh, a thumbs up for that. Yeah. There, there's some artistic, uh, talent behind the camera and in front of it. I think all the acting here is pretty good. Like, I think Faye's convincing. I think Everett's convincing. I think the ancillary characters surrounding this are pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing wrong as far Other than as Faye's an idiot, but we'll get to that. How part. it's made, right? <laughs> but that's a character. That's fine though. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with it from that perspective. From the way it's put together, you know, it's like. If you buy bookshelves from Ikea, yeah, those are bookshelves, but they could be better. So this movie is just these long, long conversations about nothing at all. So the big deal for the first like 30 to 40 minutes of this movie is that Faye got a brand new tape recorder. Now, keep in mind, this is set in like the 50s. So having your own tape recorder kind of a big deal i get it it's like the new ipod for them <laughs> and she's trying to get this guy everett to show her how to work it because he's the techie sound guy he works for the radio the station jockey. so they spend yeah he's the disc jockey they spend like the first half hour or more walking around just kind of interviewing and talking to uh these random townies and and it just goes on and on and nothing happens. Like it doesn't advance the plot. It can really just, it doesn't even build character that much. You can kind of tell there's this sort of like Faye kind of likes him maybe, or she's got maybe a little crush on him. She, that you find out later she's 16, but he definitely looks like he's older than 18. So maybe it's a little, and, but he always acts more like a big brother to her. Mm-hmm. So you never get that feeling that it's, uh, reciprocated, like he's actually into her. Um, but you can tell, especially when she talks to her friends, that uh, she kind of has a little thing for <laughs> Let him. Let me tell you this. So, like, all right, I'm, I'm going to bring up Scott and um, and John Wick real quick. So, in the beginning of John Wick, you can immediately tell Scott that he is previously married <laughs> by just looking at a phone for less than 10 seconds, right? It takes like 32 minutes to show that Everett's a disc jockey at the local radio's talent. He seems to be the know-it-all of this basketball game. Uh, Faye is the switchboard operator who works at night and and like her mom works during the day shift and she works at night or something like that. 
Uh, it shows in an, a span of 30 minutes that uh, it's in the 1950s. They discuss Sputnik. They discuss uh, how radio frequencies can interfere with telephone with some with other these other German uh, frequencies. I don't know, man. Just other radio shows get interconnected. It shows that she's very talented as a switchboard operator. She is very hardworking. Uh, Everett is just this know-it-all jerk. Seems like he has a very, as Jeff would say, a very punchable face. I think, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, he wasn't that bad. Yeah, to me. But it takes like thirty minutes. I mean, just tell me the beginning. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. I, that's the big thing. There are long sequences of Faye just working the phones. And, oh, there's this weird noise on the phone. And she's trying to figure it out for like 15 minutes of on-screen time, which when you say it out loud, it doesn't sound that bad. But you think of any movie you've seen, the longest scene in a movie is like five minutes, six minutes, with, with exceptions, of course. But generally speaking, movies kind of get you going. They get you're this scene after scene after scene. This movie feels like there are maybe four to five total scenes in mm-hmm. it, and they just mm-hmm. went on and on with dialogue. Tremendous amounts of dialogue. Dude, you can watch. So you can watch Endgame, so- right? If you like fast forward to the last fifteen minutes of Endgame, do you have the ship coming down, blowing up uh, like the the Avengers little workshop? Right. <laughs> you got Ant Man growing into <laughs> this fifty foot figure. You have Thanos coming down, fighting everybody. You have the reemergence of Spider-Man. You have Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, not Wonder Woman. I'm mixing up DC. <laughs> but you got everybody coming back. You got, you got like Black Panther. All that took place in like 15 minutes, man. And then, spoiler, Tony Stark dies, right? Dude, by the time all that occurred, if you use that as a linear timeline of Endgame, uh, we just found out that uh, a chipmunk chewed the, the wire in the gymnasium <laughs> <laughs> we found out that Faye got her brand new tape recorder <laughs> oh yay all right so jason you wrote down some time codes so i just just shoot out the time code when i get to that point but uh Faye starts to notice one of the phone lines she gets a call and it has this weird like humming whistling sort of interference on it she's like hmm, that's kind of weird and then she gets a call from someone saying there's something in the sky. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I believe at this point, Jason wrote down a time code. How, how long were we into the movie? Uh, all right. So I think I didn't write that part down. They were at 22 minutes. I thought someone was going to get murdered when they were walking down the street. That was 22 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I would say not long after that, that's when they go to the, she starts doing her, her part-time gig at night. So I would say what? 32 minutes, I mm-hmm. think. That was like 32, 33 yeah, it's minutes. Yeah, about a half Somewhere hour. in there. I just rewatched sure. it today. So we got an hour left, right? We got an hour <laughs> left at this point. <laughs> Nothing's happened. Other than that, there's this weird sound on the switchboard. So she, uh, again, gets this call, this kind of worrying call like, hey, we need help. Can you get the police? Blah, blah, blah. There's something in the sky. Okay. All right. So at this point, you're like, okay, it's a UFO movie. At least something has happened now. Um, so she calls Everett, who's working the radio. She's listening to the radio while she's working. And she's like, hey, can you figure out what the sound is? And she plays it for him. And he puts it out over the radio to see if anyone recognizes it and could give any insight. 
All right, so this is when uh, a gentleman by the name of Billy calls, reaches the switchboard where Faye patches her into the radio station, and uh, Everett then talks with this person whose name is Billy, and or goes by Billy. It's it's a pseudonym, but it and they go into like okay, so I'm going to put this on the air, but you got to know. You're not going to curse or anything. Oh no! Can't tell a derogatory okay. story. Is it okay? And like, you can't. You can't do that. I, I might get in trouble. Oh, okay. Like everything, we don't need everything, right? We don't need everything spelled out that way. So they get Billy on the air, and he tells a story about being in the military and maybe like an Area Fifty One thing. I honestly don't know, <laughs> but it went on and on this story and then it just kept on. going and then, then it gets and then it gets disconnected i'm like oh god i'm not i can't i only have the satisfaction right. of it getting finished <laughs> <laughs> so billy gets disconnected he calls back in faye patches him through again but billy tells the rest of the story off the air but records it for everett uh something else something else <laughs> blah 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 uh wait, 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 this, i do have to say that um uh, this is kind of important to the story so billy uh is ex-military and uh he is an african-american military person and the military only used african-american and mexicans on these like black op missions where they only have pieces like they can only do a certain job at a certain amount of time and then ship them back out and that's because they don't want them to have the whole picture and Something that's uh, very common amongst all the people who did those black op operations where they saw they dug something up, they saw something and it was only covered up and they had to leave. And then when they got back to the States um, or wherever they are, wherever they after they get to their final station or their barracks or something, they become ill. Like Billy became severely ill. He said he has never been sick almost his entire life. And now he has like some respiratory mm-hmm. illness, like he had COVID-12, you know, since this is the 1950s. well and that so my brother-in-law has a lot of illnesses from his time overseas so like that kind of actually hit home a little bit because i i do know that that can happen and the other thing is you mentioned that he he lets them know that he's an african-american and both faye and Everett kind of stop in their tracks they're like stunned these two white people that there's a black man on the phone and like, it's just kind of like a, a glimpse of the time. Right. And, and that this was like, Oh, okay. You know, um, whereas nowadays it's no big deal for most people, uh, but not to get sidetracked. So Faye goes, I don't remember what happens. She runs somewhere. There's this the cool library. sweeping cam. Is she at the library at this point? Well, that's oh. Billy. Billy says the tapes that he oh, that's right are given like the, another guy had it, and he donated it to the yep. library when he passed. So like mm-hmm. she's run to the library, yeah, yeah. So Faye is going to try to corroborate Billy's story by going to the library, and if these tapes are there, it proves that his story is true. Uh, she finds this tape. These tapes turns out the story is true. Shortly thereafter, they get a phone call from an elderly woman who says i know those sounds i've heard them before but i'll only tell you if you come over and right <laughs> apparently you can get so, anywhere in town in one or two minutes too so it is a very small town because that's the time frame he gave <laughs> i'll be it, there in yeah, one or two minutes 
and there's times where you follow someone on the trip. There's a sweeping shot that's goes all the way from, I think the radio station down the street and heads all the way to the basketball court where the big game is being played, where basically everyone else in town is, which mm-hmm. is a cool shot, but it also shows you how small the town is. So there's, there's little things like that in his movie that are like, okay, someone knows what they're doing. So, um, they cooperate the story and then they go to this elderly woman's house who says she's heard the sound. And this lady is the ultimate <laughs> offender of just talking way too damn much. It just goes on. It's like a 30 minute scene. I don't even think I'm exaggerating. She, so they come in the house and it's dimly lit, right? Yeah. So it's, it's she even gives, she even tells you like into some old lady's house. I can't move around too well. I need you to enter my home by going underneath the key that I left outside underneath the flower pot. You need to come on in. She don't even have no lights on, man. Like, did she not pay her electric bill, man? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean they come in. She's yeah. like by the fire. And then, so they're going, walking in the house. Now, I had the subtitles on on this because the way my TV is sometimes quieter movies. I can't really hear the dialogue well. Uh, just the sounds. So I'll turn the the uh, the subtitles on. And so the subtitles said in brackets, foreign language. And you hear this woman. Yo, it sounded like. And now they're walking in this dark house. Like she was summoned in the demon. Think of the movie Chucky, right? When he finally gets the little kid and he's about to, you know, summon his soul into this kid's body. And he's making those weird, like, tum, tongue sounds or whatever. Just making these weird languages up. It sounded just like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell? It's Elliot Gibbons. Yeah, that was kind of creepy. Yep. It's like, okay, here we go. Maybe something's going to happen. But nope, we get another, like, 30 minutes of dialogue. And it's and our show is called Soliloquy, right? And a soliloquy is when someone is basically on stage talking to themselves. So the famous Macbeth to be or not to be, where he's having a monologue, that's a soliloquy. And that's almost like what this is. There are other people in the room, but this is a one-way conversation. She just keeps going. And he's recorded her saying these words. Anyway, she's like, yeah, my son was like abducted by aliens or some junk. And he used to say these words in his sleep. And then I started saying them and aliens came and died. Right. So would that be about right? All right hold on. Hold on. I mean, so he, she didn't say it kind of uh, like that, but I get it. So like so what he, the, what happened is the boy leaves and boring. there's a dirt track or wherever she lived or wherever she grew up on a farm. And she can clearly see where his foot tracks left the front door, track out 20 feet, and then the magically disappear. And she can only assume because she did not see aliens. She didn't see a ship. She didn't see none of that. She just saw the footsteps disappear. And then so she obviously contacted her police authority, and they thought they just pretty much investigate her, which anybody else would have done. But <clears throat> nowhere in there, like she, right. she only, the context that she's provided is that I don't think she's ever seen ships, right? She Well, she's seen them later, maybe. But then, like, her right. son would just always just stare into the ceiling or the sky. But, like, where did she ever feel like aliens came and took them? Like, I just, that part, I just don't get. Everett starts to think this is all BS, really. Um, and to the 
point where she's like, you need to take me. I want to see my son. Take I know me these to the aliens ship. are out there. And he's <laughs> like, nah. And he's like, that ain't happening. And she's like, okay. And she tries to hand him this letter with like these, these words, the, these foreign language that no one understands. And he's like, I'm not taking that either. And they <laughs> yep. leave. Right. And well, they get picked up. Well, for, well, for by, like this well, is where to, she, um, yeah, go ahead. The, uh, fate, uh, remembers that, Hey, she sent her friend on a mission to go check up on this baby. Right. So she runs from the house after leaving the old lady's house. She goes, Oh, I need to go check up on this kid. She runs to the house forgetting that freaking Everett has a car. Like she just forgets, man, that she has a <laughs> she has twice. transportation to get where she needs to go. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> she just starts running at random times. So I gotta go. Take a sip of water. All right. So we're getting kind of close to the end here. So they get picked up. So at some point, Everett had stolen someone's car, um, but they get picked up by a pair of friends, and they're talking in the car. And I told Jason, "This is another." Well, I mean, it's not I a like pair of friends. It's the same. It's like the same. Fight. Like random people who said who are not from that town. They just happen to see lights uh, up in up in the sky, and they started following it. And then they stayed oh, okay. um, because you know she left her post as a, um, a telephone switch operator, and apparently she seems to be like nine one one dispatch too. And she completely left her post. She's horrible. She needs to be fired. Anyway. But it, uh, that group is like a random couple that just happened to be following the lights and they said, hey, if you find out anything about this crazy old bat, uh, come back and talk to us. And that's where they, they meet back up. Okay, cool. So, well, they're in the backseat, Faye and Everett, and he starts to play the audio of this woman, this elderly woman speaking this foreign language. And the two people in the front seat just start looking up and like they lose control of themselves and just start looking up. Now there's no sunroof in this car. They're looking at the underside of the roof of the vehicle they're in. And I just thought, Oh, that, that was actually kind of creepy. One thing I want to say, let's just bounce back one second back to our elderly woman telling a story. The story she told was much more interesting, would have made a much mm -hmm. more interesting movie than what we got. Right. My son's gone missing. Maybe it's aliens. He's speaking a weird language like, Ooh, mystery. And instead it's just, the scene where she just goes on and on. This should have been a podcast, okay? So, they, uh, all right. I don't know. They almost get into a car accident because the driver is freaking dazed. Uh, he recovers and he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why he's apologizing. Like, this, I even made like a dumb comment. I'm like, oh, bro, bro got epilepsy. And Jeff's like, what the hell are you talking about? Man? Narc <laughs> got narcolepsy. <laughs> but I mean, like, he's a, he's, he's like apologizing. Like, shouldn't that trance make him like forget what he's doing? Like, shouldn't there just be a blank space in time? Like, oh, what the hell? Why do we pull over or whatever? Like, he's just apologizing. Like, he does it all the time. I don't get it. <laughs> And it doesn't explain. It doesn't explain why saying those that foreign alien language, those tums, like makes people go into a trance. Like what and why it didn't make Faye and Everett go into a trance, or the baby that she's holding on to. Right, makes sense. I don't know what happened here. They go and they're like in the woods, right? Yep. And the this whole time, cool. Jason's like, like Jason's like, we better see something, right? <laughs> At this point, we've watched over an hour, maybe ten minutes. Like, ah, just so much dialogue, no aliens. And so they see like a, a they found some burnt ground and they look up and there's like a <laughs> spaceship's shaped hole in the canopy of this 
woods that they're in. And they're like, oh, it is real. And they turn around and they see huge UFOs in the sky. And we have now, what, five minutes left in the film and we see aliens. And you, they cut to and, the oh, people getting out. And his ass ain't even recording anything. Things, this tape ready <laughs> spinning. He records Fuck. everything, the whole movie. Except the Not most this. crucial part. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so they cut to other people in town and what's happening with them and everything's relatively normal. They're they leaving the basketball game. Yeah, they explain that the reason that these aliens, they tend to like to poach people from these smaller towns and they like to get people who are kind of off by themselves or small groups. And so basketball night is the perfect night for this because all those people are in one place. So that means there's a lot of individuals here and there. They cut back and forth. They cut back and you see that both Faye Everett and this baby are gone and we roll credits. Elliot, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> All right, so uh, I think the I think the film does a really good job of uh, putting you in the timeline, like the time of like that era, where like that's exactly how a phone operator would have worked, or that's how the radio station would have worked. I'll or, agree with that. Mm-hmm. So I I loved the aesthetic of the film. I love how the film is shot. I love those long tracking shots, like the basketball court shot, or even just the whole like Faye switchboard. Like it, it, the story tells the same story three or four times, three or four different ways. <laughs> and so if you can, to me, I caught that, and that's what I enjoyed about it. Was like, here's this squirrel that's really a chipmunk that's dead, but not really dead. Well, it's the same as like the alien thing. It's the same story that Billy tells. It's the same story that the old lady tells, but like with a twist each time. And that's what I really enjoyed. It is very dialogue heavy. And it, it took me a minute to get into the film. But once I realized where the film was going, I really, I really enjoyed it where I, it's not a thinking piece, but I thought like it's a very well written film. Like I thought the dialogue was really good. Like I found Billy's story very engaging. I didn't find the old lady story as engaging, but like, I thought it was filmed really well. And I love that it's essentially like a Twilight Zone episode, which it that's you, true. You, we Are didn't we... talk about how like it starts as a Twilight Zone. It kind of cuts in and out as like a Twilight Zone thing, which I really love. I love old school Twilight Zone. So to me, it was very nostalgic. Yeah, there's but several also, like, scenes that look like they're taking place on an old like first generation television. Uh, they don't really explain I guess uh, that is the thing we're supposed to feel like we're just, it's like reminding us that this is an episode of the Twilight Zone. The beauty of the Twilight Zone is the episodes are 30 minutes. (laughs) And if this movie were 30 minutes long, I probably would have been better off with it because there's just so many extended scenes of dialogue that goes nowhere. Right. And you said Billy's story is important. We don't ever see anything that happens to Billy. It's all told to us through his words. 
And we hear this elderly woman's story about her son that's all told to us three words. You see none of it. And that's what I mean. This would have, this, you know, one thing about audio drama podcasts that kind of I find a little annoying, they always have to justify why they're recording. Oh, I'm recording this for blah, blah, sake or whatever. And I feel like that's what this movie could have been is some sort of serialized audio drama that way. And it still wouldn't have been that great, but. <laughs> so the way this works. I was like, hold on. There's, there's, one, there's one part too where, like, uh, what Elliot alluded to is that how it was shot, like, it kind of looked like the Twilight Zone, right? And then there was when Billy was telling his story, it was kind of zooming in on Everett, just engaged and hearing and just being an investigator. And he wants to. He wants to prolong his career by doing something bigger than disc jockeying. Maybe, maybe he wants to work for CNN or NPR news or whatever. And like how the screen just goes black for like damn near five minutes, I think, right? Where you just literally see a black screen, but you're just hearing it. So you're just yes. using your, your your audio sensor to just listen into the the plot advance. I do. I am going to say something controversial, Jeff. I don't know if you agree with it or not, but. I think the movie would have been better, even though I said in it in the, at the end, I'm like, I better see something. But I think I would have enjoyed the movie better if I didn't even see damn spaceships. If they would have walked into that field, they saw yeah. like the uh, where seemed like a beam of light just cut through the tree line. Right. And you just see this big hole burnt grass and you picked up a burnt twig. If they'd have walked to the tree line and just stared up into the sky without the tape recorder spinning and then disappeared and then you just see the tape recorder in dirt and ended that way, I think I probably even would have liked it better. But I mean, because then you can kind of use your interpretation like, all right, did they get abducted or did he just drop the tape recorder or did he did he go into an epileptic shock? Did he have narcolepsy, too? I mean, <laughs> <Or> narcoleptic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I thought the spaceship was kind of cool looking, at least. Like, I think very... so, too. Yeah. It was very close encounters to me. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Which is it, what I also liked about it. It felt like then, I loved the feel of the movie. Yeah, but then it could have been like what Elliot said. You could have had your own interpretation of it. Did they really see aliens? Did they not really see aliens? Was he just bored as hell and they went out to the field? Is the baby? I mean, they could have did. I feel like they could have did something different and it probably would have made it made me like it a little bit better but it was cool seeing those ships and you can see those multiple ships you have like a big mothership and you have little baby ships underneath it um Mm -hmm. so i mean it's and then it ended and then yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay so the way this works and um when Jason and I review the same movie, which we've only had to do other, one other time, we take both of our scores and average them and round down. So should I say, let's just hypothetical this. Let's say Jason <laughs> gives it an A plus and I give it an A. It would go down to an A. Now, if he gave it an A plus and I gave it an A minus, it would be meet in the middle as an A. So we're just going to kind of meet in the middle and round down. So they'll... It, anyway, so... Do you want to go first, Jason? So there are some redeeming values of this film. As Elliot said, it is well shot. I think the actor and actresses in the film uh, did a very fantastic job. Um, The research, I guess, maybe what they have done. Like, I don't know anything about the 50s and late 50s and early 60s about being a switchboard operator, but someone did their homework, right? And and learned how, how they do it. I mean, it seems pretty cool. Um, but there are a lot of just, just boring stuff, man. I mean, I'm watching the film. I'm like 22 minutes in and they're doing these fake radio 
personalities and they're walking down the street. And again, you know, I went into this movie completely blind. I'm thinking like, all right, I'm about to like watch some serial killer come out of the woods or something. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I, th- this is a D plus. Uh, yeah. So for me, I agree. It does have a lot of redeeming value. It's shot really well. It's well acted. And it is a period piece, which cannot be understated. They had to go get a bunch of older cars and have this this city, uh, this small town, look like a small town from the 50s. And it felt like it was in the 50s. And the costumes were in the 50s. They forgot to write a good <laughs> script. They wrote dialogue on top of dialogue. And it feels... Like an indie picture, which it probably is, where you don't have a lot of money, and so there's tons of dialogue, but nothing happens for huge portions of time. Just meaningless walking around and talking for... And I get that Elliot found some meaning in the hamster that was chewing (laughs) on a rope, or whatever the hell it was. Okay, I get it. But if that's what makes this movie good, it falls on its face. This is a D minus. I didn't like it at all. Oh my gosh. It was better than The City of Lost Children. But it really was like so here's what gets me, Elliot. We're sitting and I want to say to anyone else who maybe might get to guest on this show, you don't have to try that hard. <laughs> Jason and I, we are I would say we have very bro style tastes. Give us a good comedy. Give us a good action movie where junk blows up. We'll take a Michael Bay film. We don't care. How many Mark Wahlberg movies have... You don't have to try that hard. You don't have to dig some French movie out of your butthole and make us watch it. You can give us a good movie. It's okay. We gave you Upgrade, an A-minus movie. We gave Scott Chadwick a C-plus movie. And we had to watch these I don't understand. At least Rotten <laughs> Yeah, Rotten it. All right. The one time I'm like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes was accurate once. Okay, so once. not anymore they aren't, Elliot. I know. What would you rate I this know. movie, The Vast of Night? Uh, well, you oh, what was, his was what D plus, yours was D minus, so that's D. That's right. Right. So yeah, from here on D, out, this is a D, D movie. movie. This movie that you enjoyed thoroughly and made me watch for an hour and a half. So eighty four percent Metacritic <laughs> D movie. I didn't ask you what the Metacritic hey, the, score the, was. What's um in school since you guys are uh, some teachers, right? If you gave if you had a sixty four percent, what is that? Yes. It's still passing. D still passes. My it's sixty four D. Fifty nine is an F. Yeah, but that's what um the audience yeah. score gave this oh. film, and I agree with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is. But you know what? As a listener, you can decide for yourself. This movie is on Amazon Prime. Uh, have at it. You're watch upgrade to it. So I wanted it, or you can watch upgrade. Which is a little harder to find, but according to Film Soliloquy, as a whole, it is a much better film. Uh, barring, let's give you a, a brief reprieve, Elliot, okay. and say rules don't apply for the next few seconds. Upgrade and Vast of Night. What's the better movie? 
I don't think I don't think upgrade is is entertaining rewatching it. I rewatched Vast of Night. Okay, and, I, and it's over. I it we are closing it up. You're no longer allowed to say anything. Okay, so because you were going the wrong way, because uh, there's no way I'll ever oh, watch yeah, Vast yeah, of yeah, Night yeah. again. So that backfired a little bit, but we're done with that. So this is a D movie. I do want to try something a little different since we have Elliot on the show. We're going to move into our movies yeah. for next week. And I kind of want to do a little movie trivia. As you know, Elliot, we tend to uh, talk about the year the movie came out, the director, name some actors, and kind of build suspense toward uh, what movie it is. What I would like you to do is, if you figure out what movie it is, go ahead and chime in and let's see if you can Ooh, guess I what like we're going to give okay. each other. Very nice. Jeff, okay. you go first. Oh, I do like this. This is my favorite part of the whole podcast. Well, yeah, ours too. I can't. Woo! Okay, I can't wait to get on. I think you have seen my movies, Jason. Uh, do you want to go first <laughs> or shall I? Because uh, I want to have Elliot guess your movie. Okay. Yeah. So I was bouncing back and forth between two movies. There's one I wanted to give you after watching this to say I got to make sure you get something you like. But then I wanted to play this game with Elliot, and this movie works much better for it. But it's also a movie I really <laughs> like. But I don't know if it's a Jason movie. That's my only issue. Uh, so, this movie came out in 2007. Uh-oh. What a coincidence. Mine, too. Okay. And this has... Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It ain't the same one, though. <laughs> My movie runs for 120-something minutes, so it's a two-hour so, movie. So, it's mine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, this movie stars Ian McKellen. Who the hell is that? It's... St- you don't know who Ian McKellen <laughs> oh my, is? Okay. Oh, oh Magneto, my dog. Yeah, I know him. Gandalf. Uh, it stars Ian McKellen. This is not gonna. It's, oh boy. It stars Ian McKellen. It stars Daredevil himself, Charlie Cox. Man, I'm gonna watch Fast and Night. It again. stars. Ooh. It stars Superman himself, Henry Cavill. Which one? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. It stars uh, Rupert Everett, who you've never heard of, but Elliot might have. I like Rupert Everett. It stars. I'm waiting anytime, Elliot. Oh, this is. Oh, this it, is. Um, it's it, the Neil Gaiman book, right? It is. Um, you know what it is. It stars Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Claire Danes. Yeah, Stardust. Stardust. It is. 2007's Stardust. It is on Netflix. I really like it a lot, dude. Robert De Niro. You didn't even. Mention I was going to get to that, but you got. Yeah, it's got De Niro in it, JB, one of your oh, favorites. Okay. Uh, I was going to get to oh, that, man. but you guessed it before I could. So, yeah. Yeah, Charlie no Cox. I forgot. He's the main character, isn't he? He's the main character. And I didn't know that Superman was in it until I'm like, damn, is that I, su- I rewatched didn't know it. he was in it. I rewatched it recently, and he's like. Is he the, one of the brothers? No. That's who Rupert Everett is. Right, he's not one of the brothers? He's like the. the Bad okay. boyfriend. We'll get... We're done. Oh, okay. All okay. right. Okay. No, you're in... Well, he's not going to like it. It's <laughs> not a Jason movie. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a, not a Jason movie, Would you movie, say it's dude. a great movie? Um, The book is much better. Ooh, the book is far better. You have a way... I, I'm starting to understand Tessa more. You have a way <laughs> of not answering the question that's been asked of you. I... I... I saw the movie before I read the book and I saw the movie and I was like, Oh, this is okay. And then like a year later I read the book and I was like, Oh, this is phenomenal. All right. Well, so the movies, I don't think you're going to like it. Jason. We're handing out. We ban hammers. Uh, <laughs> we got another band guest. 
We've done it again. Jason, what's your movie? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Let's see if Ellie can guess this. I'm pretty sure. Jeff, I'm so shocked that you have not seen this film. Uh, it is also made in 2007, has a two-hour runtime of 126 minutes. You are going to be watching a science fiction horror film that is written oh. by Stephen King. All right. Science fiction horror. Yeah. Right. It stars Thomas Jane, right? So you should know Thomas Jane. He's that dude from Deep Blue I know. Brent, it, Punisher. Punisher, yep. Yeah. Punisher, mm-hmm. yeah. And Marcia Gay Harden. Um, she's like from the first Vibes Club and Flubber. I think I remember her from Flubber. I'm trying oh, to Stephen th- King. It's, uh, is it cloudy? Yep, it's is very it cloudy in that movie. Series, man. You might even say it's uh, pretty cloudy. It, it might, you might even say uh, it is. Deep. Well, Thomas Jane was in another movie called 1922. Oh, that was it's Stephen got, King. uh, it's got, um, uh, Andre Brower in it. It does. Yep. I like him, man. Yeah. Great. I do too. He's good mm-hmm. in everything. So what the hell is this movie? Oh, I don't know what this, this is. This is a good version of this too. Yep. You remember the name oh, of the, the title? Mist. The Mist. The there mist. you go. Oh, God. The Mist. The Mist. Yeah, The Mist. Damn it. It's I've... cloudy. Okay, oh. here's the problem, Jason. I've seen the ending of The Mist. Come on, man. Seen... You serious? I have you ruined not... it. That's too bad. I've not seen yeah. The Mist as a whole. Did I put this on the list? I put it on the list. I put seen... no. So I, I must have, but I've not seen the whole movie. But I have, I am aware of the ending, Damn it, of the, the notorious end, ending. The ending is what makes it. Oh, man. Do you want to pick Read something else? Book. I mean, the I'll watch it. completely different. Well, I've listened to the audio, the old time radio show of The Mist, and I'll watch it. The The book and the movie have different endings, too, which is like really mm-hmm. kind of cool. Completely. They're remaking it, too. I think they're making yeah, it. Yeah, I think they are making a miniseries because of that, uh, yeah. you know. The main woman character, which I'm not going to spoil because Jeff is still going to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Oh, yeah, Miss is good. Oh, watch this damn movie. <laughs> well, now that you know what happens at the very end, kind of sucks. But... You want to change it yeah, up? You're welcome to. Uh... I'm fine with it. I don't want to watch this horse shit. And when you said science fiction, I just imagined space. The first thing that popped into my mind when you said science fiction horror was Event Horizon. Oh, ooh. which I ain't watching that Man. movie again. Ooh. Have you seen that? Elliot? That movie made my That's butt pucker. One. Yeah, I've seen Bro. it. I hate that movie for all the right reasons. That thing came on Cinemax. Like, like yeah. so, I, you know, when you like, you can't like you can't have a long day at work, right? You have a delicious dinner for breakfast dessert. You might have like some some scrumpets. You know what I'm saying? And you fall asleep on the scrumpets. couch, right? <laughs> <laughs> you fall asleep yeah. on the couch <gasps> and then back in the day when Classic you used to Jason-ism. fall asleep on the couch and wake up in the middle of the night you would see Skinamax and be like oh hell yeah what am I watching I woke up in the middle of the night damn near like 1230 and, and freaking that movie came on I shit myself <laughs> dude that is a freaky movie to wake up I can to, imagine man. it's the scene where uh, Grant or whatever the guy's name is Grant from Jurassic Park has like all the lacerations on his face. Yeah, that he gives himself, right? That movie sucks for all. Like, yeah. I hate that movie, but for all the right reasons. I, I hate it for it pulling off exactly what it wanted to. Well, I have no backup. Well, We're still watching it. Yeah, that is a freaky. Yeah, I'm going to watch this horse drawn movie. Um, this is film soliloquy. Um, 
<laughs> Low effort. Oh, boy. actually, I mean, yeah. hold on. you know, you, I I got I have to change I'm, it. Listen, I have to because the ending is what makes it all. Yeah, right. take take the mist off the list. Okay. Take it off the okay. list. I've seen enough of it to know that. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know the whole you know the whole film. I mean, right. I know the plot of the mist in general, like the yeah. Stephen King story. And how the hell you put no on there? Anyway, all right, new movie. Because I, new movie. I don't think I'd actually. All right, go ahead. All right, new movie. You're, you're, Elliot, round three for you. <laughs> Elliot, you got... Uh, I'm going to see who's going to beat each other, because Jeff, as soon as I say these actors' names and the director's name, he's going to instantly blurt it out. Let's see if, if Elliot... Let's see if he can beat Jeff to it. You ready? Okay. This movie okay. came out okay. in 2006, right? It's a long-ass movie. Okay. 151 minutes. No! <laughs> I want to watch The Mist. Go back on The Mist. I want to watch The Mist. 151 minutes. We done increased the time, all right? Where do you oh find boy. this garbage? <laughs> it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, directed by Martin Scorsese. Oh, The Departed. Boom. The Departed. Yeah. No. Oh, Can man. you believe Jeff hasn't seen it? Can you believe that? Wow. That's for that's a oh that's up right up Jeff's alley. That's a Jeff movie from oh, the guy oh, who man. gave us Vast of Night. <laughs> I, really I was it. really hoping to split the two of you. Because again, like that movie is so. Okay. Some people love so it. let me ask you, who do you I think was gonna love it? Who do you think was gonna exactly? I thought Jeff would like I, it. That's what I thought. I, don't, I feel like I don't know Jason enough, other than like from your movies, your movie profile. Is it because I, know, I like, like the your... lobster? Is it? Is Maybe it? that's it. Because here's the <laughs> yeah. thing about yeah. the lobster, though. A B minus movie, if I believe I'm correct, is that, that things happen in the lobster. Okay, yeah, I'm I done. I thought you dig. I thought you dig the long track. I just thought you dig it a little bit. I the, like things. The lobster that is a B. It's a B film. Uh, is it a flat B? Flat. Okay, I couldn't remember, but uh, you know what, Elliot? I want you to go and watch a movie called "The Killing of a Sacred Deer." Don't do it, and then report back. Well, <laughs> well, boy. you and I. <laughs> We'll get back together. Oh, do it. Yes. And, and we'll do a bonus. Record We're going to do a... Rick. We'll do a bonus oh episode. I'll come with... Okay. Hey, listen. I'll it's come with categories. Okay. And you can guys kind of like quiz each other on the review. I like that. I ain't watching No, there's no quizzing each other. This is a movie that has to be seen. It's like Unto the Lobster. It's directed by the same guy that did The Lobster. It stars Colin Farrell. It's on okay. Netflix. It's the sa- kill- if you're up for the challenge, you can watch the I'll killing of it. a sacred oh, deer. Sure. Come on the show and give it the official film uh, soliloquy letter grade that I have to live with. Okay. If you we want, do that. so keep your eye on the feed. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe he won't. I don't know, but I really hope you do. Oh, it's got the guy from. Uh, don't from read really terrible movie. A bit of it. No, no, I was looking at the cast. It's got the one dude from that really horrible movie about um, school shootings. Oh, it's got Nicole Kidman. You can carry that, yeah. Um, yeah, Nicole Kidman. There's a couple Jeff made me watch the end of that film. Um, and Alicia Silverstone? Alicia yeah, she's briefly in it. Oh, yeah, Alicia Silverstone's in it very briefly. Hey, listen, I want to say my yeah. piece right now. I've seen the end of this film because Jeff made me watch the end because I refused to watch any other lobster part two don't movies. Don't tell him what I'm happens. I'm not going to tell him what happened, but just, Elliot, when you watch the end, think of me and and just remember that okay. I watched it with no context 
and I've seen the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. sent I'll text Jason. You when I watch it, I'll text you. I sent Jason like three or four scenes on my phone with no context at all, and I'm just like, "This movie is nuts. <laughs> this is nuts." Like, if you watch, oh, you watch right. The Lobster, right? Oh yeah, I loved it. Uh, right. So I think you might have closer to my reaction uh, than Jason's reaction to The Lobster, where. It kind of clicked with me, and I sort of love it for all the things I don't like about it. But anyway, this is Film Soliloquy. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. No, you can't find us on Instagram, but you can find us on Twitter at Film Soliloquy. Uh, you can also uh, check out the guy who does our music. His name is Sir Flame. His music is wherever you stream. You can also follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. Elliot, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, I, I am on Twitter. Uh, Elliot underscore argues. Uh, Tess and Elliot argue is our podcast. Adaptation of the Rye is our new podcast coming out in September where we read a book and then watch the movie. Oh, so it's dude, that's kind of in awesome. the same vein. I'm all about that. Oh, dude, you have to come. You'll have to come on. You have to tell us your favorite book. Oh, slash this, movie and we'll one do of my it. first. One Ready my, Player One. For oh, sure. Yeah. Can we Ready, do Ready Player yes. One, Jason and I? Yeah, Ready Player One's on our list. Uh, oh, to get hey, to, um, I refuse yeah, to do sure. with Girl Absolutely. on the Train. I, oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah, that was Yeah, bad. we'll do whatever, man. Girl we'll talk. Yeah, we would like to do I Ready kinda, Player I One. I was kind of saving Ender's Game for, for you, Jeff. I thought Ender's Game would be good for... Oh, I would definitely do that, too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but we'll, if, we'll talk. If, if you sure. do, like, a dual one with Jason and I, Ready Player One would be Oh, yeah. Clutch. Oh, for sure. Ready Player Two, man. It's pre-ordered. Fall, man. I've already pre-ordered pre-order. on Audible. I same. The Will Wheaton reading is just so good. Are, is it confirmed yeah, they're going to have Will Wheaton reading? I don't know, but it has to be Will Wheaton. Oh, I don't or know. I'm canceling. Yeah, I can't imagine it not. <laughs> it, it has I got the hardcover coming. In. He did. He did the other two books. Uh, that uh, yeah, Ernest the Klein second wrote. one was a little. I didn't like Armada yeah, that much. One, and my hopes yeah, aren't I that high. We're the going name off of it. topic. Nobody here cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody listening cares. But. This will get cut. So uh, you've uh, you've said your piece. It's like an episode of tea. It's like an episode of tea. Yeah, like that. Except I got to edit 115 minutes of it. Uh, it's like watching a yeah. Jason movie. All right, Jason, you got anything to say? Nope. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was fun. The thing is, is reviewing the bad movies is more fun. Than reviewing a good movie, but sitting oh, so through a bad anything, movie, I should be thanked. Okay, no, definitely not because my time, this, my time. You could have given us a good it. movie. Sorry, I still stand by the fact by that you know me bad. well enough. <laughs> you know me well enough to pick a movie I would like. I believe that, Elliot. I believe our taste is similar enough that you could find a movie I would like. I was trying to broaden your horizon. I don't <laughs> want them to be broadened. This, we're out of here. This is Film Soliloquy. I apologize to Jason. I'm sorry, Jason. Apology not accepted. You're not going to apologize to me? <laughs> I want to take this. I, I want to go home, okay? I want Jason to still like me after this. I know you'll still talk to me. <laughs> oh, no. You yeah, got us coming and doing Ready Player One. I'm all about it. Let me yell do it this. Oh, for sure, man. All right. Well, we're out of here. This is Film Soliloquy. Yeah.
Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fayetteville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough no sway, so I made it